0: I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26. I'm going to read a selection from verses 36 to verse 39. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, from verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. Going a little further, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is more than paper and ink. It's more than even words on a page. Your word is spirit and life. Grant us that life-giving spirit from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Lewis Hamilton was born in Stevenage, 33.3. Three miles from this very spot north on the M1 in that sleepy town of Stevenage. Of course, he's the champion British racing driver who has won four world championships and he's often considered the best driver of our generation and one of the best drivers of all time. He won his first title in dramatic style in 2008. It was on the last corner of the last lap in the last race of the season, he found that little bit extra, went a bit further and became the then youngest Formula One champion in history. Jesus went a little further for us in the Garden of Gethsemane. That step separated him from all humanity He did so that he might win the battle on behalf of us all, on behalf of all humanity. And it's true to say there can be no success in life unless we're prepared to go a little further, to take that extra step, to go that extra mile. And this too separates us from the ordinary and lifts us up into extraordinarily levels of communion with God and service to humanity. That little distance makes a big difference. Maybe it was just a few meters that Jesus went, but that gap between him and his disciples had infinite significance. For the salvation of the world depended on it. It was a line of separation between divinity and humanity between messiahship and discipleship, between those who needed to be saved and the savior of all humanity. And it was that gap which was grounded in his identity and mission, demonstrated who he was and what he came to do. Also his motivation. It was determined by what Jesus was pursuing, the will of the Father. Why he was doing it, out of love for the Father. In different domains and walks of life, people are prepared to go a long way, to expend much effort, make great sacrifices, to achieve many different things. But today, God is asking us to go a little further for him. Now, I'm not saying, as a lot of people feel, there's always more to do. It can be a big trap. I want you to understand this. What I'm saying today is not the same thing as as always trying to do more, to prove yourself to God or others. It's not about earning approval. If you do that, you will find there's always more to do and you will never satisfy other people. But we are forgiven people. We already have the unbounded and eternal approval of the Father. No, no. This that I'm talking about today is about passion for the Father. For his will, his plan, his unique plan for your life. So, you know, there are times when you have to go a little bit further and... And often you find that that's often the loneliest place you could ever be. Because there are places in life where you can only go alone. Church is about communities, about being together, helping one another, caring for one another, challenging one another, as we walk together on our journey of discipleship. And so we like to think that No one need ever face it all alone. We have this church structured into cell groups so that there is spiritual companionship and help and fellowship right down to that small group level where we can get to know one another and serve Jesus together. But there are places where you can go, where you must go, where you can only go alone. Think of Jacob. There in the middle of the night on his own. He made sure he was on his own. On the borders of Canaan it was a make or break night and he spent the night on his own and of course the angel came and wrestled with him and transformed him but he had to take very deliberate measures to make sure he was on his own. Think about Moses on the mountain receiving revelation, interceding for the people on his own. He even had to make provision that the mountain would not be touched by others. There were limits around it and there was a place where only Moses could go and he had to go on his own. I think of the generations of the high priests of ancient Israel who once a year on their own would enter into the inner presence, the inner sanctuary, in fear and trembling, entering into the holy presence of God on their own with blood to make atonement for the sins of the people. And of course today we see Jesus on his own, in the garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood, the beginning of his passion, his sufferings that would lead him finally or very shortly to the cross. He had to do it alone. We're told that Lewis Hamilton's father has been a great support in his racing career. And he said, I will support you, son, he's a young boy at that stage, if you work hard at school. But in order to support him, Anthony, Lewis Hamilton's father, took redundancy from his position in information technology, set up his own company, and sometimes was working three jobs at a time, but never missed his son's races. And when Lewis Hamilton sets out in his Formula One car be it Mercedes or McLaren, he is on his own. Of course, there's a massive team behind him, the managers, the technicians, the mechanics, the psychologists, all the rest, and, and always somebody in his ear. But when he steps into that narrow and that strange little cubicle in Formula One racing, with his helmet on, he knows, really, he's on his own. It's down to him. Jesus too had many friends around him. He took his most special friends with him into the garden, but at a certain point, he had to go it alone. He asked them to pray. He looked back and saw them asleep. That brings great comfort to us today. Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And that tells me that there comes a time in every person's life where no one can fully enter into your predicament. With the best will in the world, they may try. But in the end, it's your trials. It's your emotions. It's your suffering. I've heard it said that we should have such empathy so so when I cut, you bleed. Right? No. When I cut, I bleed. <laughs> you could say, oh, I feel for you in your bleeding, but I'm the one that's bleeding. Jesus said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. So, tremendous revelation into the deep humanity of Jesus. In that moment, he had to wrestle with and overcome The natural drive for self-preservation. Jesus' discipline, his self-discipline, his commitment to the Father and his mission meant that he conquered the flesh. He conquered that. And when you and I begin to conquer things and move into levels of consecration, which by very definition means separation, don't be surprised if you look around and there's nobody with you. My consecration doesn't depend on other people's commitment. It depends on my passion for God. There are certain things you can only face alone. And you can always tell those things. Because you enter a situation and you kind of say, I don't want to go through this. I'd rather be somewhere else. Now, I hope that I'm not reading your mind today sitting here in Kensington Temple, but bear with me. Every time you have to face something that you would rather avoid, you would never normally choose for yourself. Every time you find yourself in a situation when you'd rather shrink from it than embrace it, when you would rather um, turn from it rather than move towards it, at that moment remember your identity A child of God, remember your uniqueness because that distance, whether it is in meters or miles, will tell the world who you really are. Remember who you are. Remember your mission. What is your mission? To know God. To love God and show him off to the world. You have to go alone. And yet when you get there, You find you're not alone. The Father is waiting for you. It says in the gospel, going a little further, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father. Everything for Jesus was about the Father. His passion, his mission, His love were all father-facing, father-focused, father-directed. And it says when he went a little bit further, he threw himself on the ground. But I think it was not just the soil. He threw himself down on the firmest ground possible. He threw himself on the father. At that moment, he trusted in the Father's wisdom. Yet not my will, your will be done, if it's possible, but I bow to your wisdom. Jesus was not having a discussion on what the will of God was. It wasn't about discussion or information. It was about surrender and consecration. And that was an act of his will. And sometimes it's difficult because... Well, very often at this point it's difficult because God's wisdom seems to be so different from our wisdom. We want something different and we have to say, God, you know, I don't understand but you are the all-wise, all-knowing, all-loving God so I trust your wisdom. I trust you to carry me through this your way. And so... He reached a point where he could rely not just on the Father's wisdom, but the Father's support because he committed to the Father's vision despite the cost. We know that what began in the garden didn't end there. From the garden he went to the cross, from the cross he went to the tomb, from the tomb he was raised again and from there He was seated at the Father's right hand. It ended well. And I can assure you, choose the Father's wisdom, rely on the Father's support, go in the Father's direction, accept his mission for your life, no matter how counterintuitive it may appear to you, it will end well. Consider him, our forerunner, our elder brother, our compassionate friend. Our example. It ended well. It always ends well when you put the fathers first, Father first. Hebrews 12, 2-3. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What an example. What hope. No wonder we sing, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. God wants you today to determine to go further, to go further than you have ever gone you know, I, I notice those little things that make, make a difference. If We just speak in the realm of business and commerce. What is it about your business that makes it unique? Is it not you go that bit further to satisfy the needs of your customers? Whether it is the little things you arrange, little marks of service. I'm not talking about gimmicks. I'm talking about thoughtful, genuine Desire to go further than your competitors. Well, this is required in any discipline, not just in business, in music, education, sports, in any domain family, work, friends. Determine today that you're going to follow Jesus and go further. Do that bit more in your family, in your work. Can you imagine if everybody in KT got converted today? I'm not saying none of you are, but I'm talking about converted to this mentality. So you go into work tomorrow determined to go further to do more. Why? 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 Because you're under compulsion? No. Because it'll guarantee promotion? No. But because you are kingdom child of God, you do that. I think they would be writing letters to me asking, "What do you do there? What do you give them?" That happened to me once. I had to <clears throat> um, write a um, reference for somebody who was applying for a job, and um, when the man contacted me about this, he said, what do you do to them there? I said, what do you mean? In that church of it what do you do to them? Have you got more like this one? I want more like that. As though oh, we've got hundreds of them, hundreds of them. <laughs> yeah, any domain. Determine today that you're going to go further in your marriage further in your friendships people do this for all kinds of reasons why not for the kingdom and you know one thing if you truly do this for the kingdom you will be rewarded I cannot guarantee that if you go the extra mile at work that your boss is going to notice he may be dumb and stupid now I haven't met him it's okay he may be dumb and stupid but God will see Anything you do for worldly pursuits may be rewarded in this life. What you do for God may be and probably will be rewarded in this life, but your real motivation is to please him and to honour him. So the question is this, what is your true passion, your real passion? For those Olympians whose selection is a clear-cut decision, there are many, many more who, whose place on the team or lack of place on the team is decided by the narrowest of margins. A tenth of a second, a half a point can mean the difference between things selected on the Olympic team or not. Or maybe you just had a bad day. The agony of almost, almost made it to the team. Almost got a first degree, first class degree. The agony of almost needs a special kind of grace. A different kind of grace. One that celebrates the journey. One that rejoices in the passion even where there is no outright success. It requires the same sacrifice. Imagine all those people who were left at home and didn't get to Rio... I guarantee they all made the same sacrifice. They all had one or two days at Christmas, that's all they had. They all got up at the same time. They all worked as, ha- as hard, but they didn't qualify. One such story is of an American rower, Sarah McIldorff, her rowing partner, she's 30 years of age, in um, the London Olympics. They finished 4th. By a margin of 0.2 seconds. Imagine. 0.2 seconds made the difference between bronze or not bronze. They weren't put off. They decided to try for Rio. They worked together. They tried to qualify. And on that final qualification, their little boat hit a boy. I'd rather say buoy because you wonder what's the boy doing in the water. <laughs> that tiny clip cost them the race and the entire qualification. They were left at home. I read an interview which Sarah was was kind of asked a question, and she said, if you ask me, I would do it all again, knowing that I would have the same result. I absolutely would you'd think, crazy, why bother? If you knew you weren't going to qualify, why try? You see, it's not always about success. It's about the passion with which you do it. It's the love for which you do it. And sometimes we cannot guarantee that our efforts, even when we do a whole lot more, will take us to the destination of our choice, but we can guarantee this, we're going to have a heaven of a journey, especially if we partner with him. That little bit extra makes all the difference. Jesus went a little bit further, a few meters. Whether it's measured in meters or miles, milliseconds or in hours, God is saying, go a little bit further. Go the extra mile. Do you know the story behind the extra mile? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, if somebody compels you to go one mile, go with them too. Well, the background to that was the Roman occupation of the Holy Land at the time. And the Roman occupiers had certain rights. Laws were there that a Roman soldier who was carrying a heavy burden, a heavy backpack, could command a civilian, a citizen, carry this for one mile. The law limited it one mile. And Jesus said, when you're compelled to go one mile, smile and go another mile why I mean surely Jesus teaching here could be accused of functioning like a collaborator help the Romans don't oppose them help them they're your friends well I don't think it's crazy I don't think it's collaboration but I do think it's kingdom imagine that Roman soldier picking up a Christian saying carry this for me you lazy bounder, or whatever they would say in Roman language. And there comes, instead of resentment, pleasure. Instead of a curse, a smile. Oh, I'll go too. Why? Why would you do such a crazy thing? And that gap, that extra mile, is a space for the kingdom of God to manifest. Manifest many years ago when we started in the cell vision one of the things we focused on first was consolidation we used to call it follow up but consolidation is the word that we use because when somebody commits their life to Christ in a service we want to consolidate that decision and help them understand and give them the information that they need they may not be fully aware of things and and very soon after that, 24 hours is the golden room, golden rule, we want to be with them personally, preferably in their home, where we can meet with them. And so this is the gold standard of consolidation. The true story of one woman in the women's net, who was handed on the Sunday a consolidation follow-up and said, please... Can you visit this person within the next 24 to 48 hours? Well, lady accepted the challenge. This, after all, is serving Jesus. And so she thought, no problem. I always get off early on at work on this day. So what I'll do Monday, I'll get off work early. Of course, Monday came. The boss said, I want you to work late. So she thought, oh dear, this is going to make it difficult. Then she looked up where this was. It was a long tube ride, two bus rides away on the other side of London. She left work late, she was exhausted, she was hungry, and she thought it was a mini Gethsemane moment. I don't want to do this. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So she committed herself to the task. She went on that long journey, all that long tube journey, and then out of the tube into two bus rides. And finally, after a lot of effort, she found the house. And it was late at night by now, quite late at night. She knocked on the door and the door opened and the new convert said, Oh, welcome. So glad you made it. We thought you weren't coming. Invited her inside. She had invited all of her family and they prepared a meal and they were waiting together. She said, why are they here? She said, they want to find out about Jesus. Will you tell them? And so she did, because she went the extra mile, I mean actually, she went to the extra mile end, if you know what I'm talking about. A whole family was saved. That's quality Christianity, that is the commitment, that's what I'm talking about today. Are you prepared to go that extra mile, whether it's miles, minutes, meters or hours? What is God asking you to do today? go a little further. Do so not because you're trying to prove yourself or trying to gain acceptance because there's always more to do. There's always more to do. No, no. As an expression of your identity as a child of God and an expression of your uniqueness. In a time like that when you're on your own who you are what God has given you will shine. Now we believe in teamwork. Of course we do. But there is a contribution, a uniqueness about who you are in God and what God has called you to do. That can only be expressed and identified in those alone moments when you go a little bit further. Do it as an expression of the Father's mission for you. Why? To prove yourself? No because you're overcome with a passion for the Father. And by the way, if you don't try to prove yourself, God will do it for you. Can you imagine the confusion? First of all, with his disciples, when not long after that prayer, Jesus was taken away, arrested, all the disciples fled. Can you imagine? There he is, crowned, but not with the royal crown of kingdom, but a crown of thorns. There he is, impaled on a cross, not seated upon a golden throne. The antithesis of everything to do with earthly kingship Think of the confusion and the mockery. Even the disciples couldn't understand it. They left him all alone, but God saw him. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead and said, I will not let my Holy One see corruption. Sit at my right hand, son, until I make the enemies a footstool of your feet. God vindicated him and God will vindicate you. Don't you try to do it. I'm glad that Jesus went all the way for me. His passion for the Father, his sacrificial love, means that I'm saved. I now have life. And all who receive his love and forgiveness. But when you take that step and persist in it, I tell you in advance, you will probably find yourself alone. But you are never alone, whatever the disappointments, the apparent failure, the agony of almost, whether you're betrayed rejected, missed an opportunity, in sickness, suffering, not even in death. and Death is that ultimate solo journey. And we can take comfort in the fact that those who are bereaved, and there are many in the church at the moment who are recently bereaved, that loved one did not make that journey completely alone. God took them by the hand. No one else might be with you as you define your uniqueness by going a little further. But God will always be with you in times of agony, loneliness, abandonment. You'll find his fellowship. You'll find the Father waiting for you there. And his fellowship is the sweetest thing on earth. Let's pray. Father, we surrender. We thank you for the good times, the fun times. But we thank you also for those other times, because the good news is you're waiting there for us. And I pray that every person under the sound of my voice will hear specifically from the Holy Spirit the extra step, the going further, the breaking out from the normal into extraordinary, the uniqueness that is them. I pray, Father, that the enemy would not steal this message, even those who already said it's a nice message but it doesn't apply to me. Let them see that you are calling every single one of us specifically to go a bit further into your presence, into your grace, into your mission, into fellowship with you, into service of others. God, help us to be like Jesus and go a little further. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.